0: What's up guys, welcome to another episode of Who Day Talk, Braden and Jay here, a lot to talk about today. I am going to talk about my thoughts on Lou and her Umo since I wasn't here for last week's episode, thanks to getting some wisdom teeth pulled. We're going to talk about uh, Mark Walton and what's been going on with him, and we're going to talk about th- a lot of combines, so uh, we're going to get into it, and uh, I want to lead off with Mark Walton just because it's kind of old news by now, but... All that's happened lately, and the timing, we really never got to talk about it. And just in case you guys forget, Walton has been arrested or been in trouble twice within a month. Uh, He was found with marijuana possession, and there's another incident like a week later where he was blocking a parking garage with his car. A a woman tried to record him. He grabbed her phone, and apparently there's some scratches from that. Uh, So what's your thoughts on that, Jay?
1: Uh, it's not a good look. I mean, he had a piss for 2018 season. Uh, I mean, he's obviously having some character issues. Uh, I don't, if Zach Taylor really wants to establish his, establish his culture, I think he needs to cut him. Um, I think this is a great class where you can get running back talent late running back isn't that important in position and he's also a third running back. I know the idea was for him to eventually replace Geo, but with, how short the lifespan of running backs are anyway. By the time Geo's already ready to be gone, ready to retire, Mark Walton's going to be halfway through his career. So, I think it – I mean, it doesn't hurt us that much to cut him. He was a fourth-round pick. Yes, you could have gotten more for him. But in the long run, that fourth-round pick, I mean, it wasn't a good pick to begin with. It was It was a low-ceiling pick. He was never going to be more than the second running back on this team. Um, and he was currently the third running back. So, I think you got to make the cut go in the sixth round when you have five picks and you draft a guy like Darwin Thompson or Miles Gaskin or someone like that and he can fill in that third running back role or even just wait till the UDFAs come in because running back talent is easy to find and especially for a third running, third running back, you don't really need to spend a high pick on that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. If I'm Zach Taylor, you've kind of had a bit of a controversial start hiring a guy who's in a bully scandal, having trouble finding a defensive coordinator. This is a perfect time to just embrace the culture you're preaching and like you said it doesn't really hurt us we can get a running back sixth, seventh undrafted free agent walton really isn't all that valuable there's not a lot of cap dead cap we're going to have to deal with so
1: not even a million so i i i think the pick was bad to begin with i don't think cutting him hurts the value of the pick that much anyway uh i think i think cutting him has to be the move uh it doesn't really make sense to keep them at this point. I mean send out a message. Send out a message. Good message to send out. Um next up we gotta talk about what do you wanna talk about the combine next?
0: I'll talk I'll give my thoughts on Buenormo oh. or however you say his name.
1: Go ahead.
0: All right, so uh if you guys listened to last week, Jay did a great job explaining what a lot of the basics of the defense is gonna be. Uh, after he recorded a, a was kind of talking to the media and he made it sound like there's going to be a lot of hybrid defenses. He talked about playing to the player's strength, which is all talk. We'll see if he actually does that, but he did make it sound like there was going to be a lot of hybrids and he talked about four, three, three, four. You're only in that about 30% of the time or something on the lines of that. So we don't have a great idea of what a is going to do, but as Jay said last week, a lot of cover one, nine robber, where a lot of press, single high safety.
1: It's it's something we can look forward to. I like the schemes that he's going to be bringing in. He sounds like he's going to be very creative. I I overall, for what was left, I think it's a good hire. Um, He doesn't have that experience like we wanted. I already touched on that last week. But I I think from what Zach Taylor was going to accept as plausible, I think that's the best you can get.
0: Yeah, and – at least, like, we both wanted Del Rio. We both wanted a bigger Fox. guy. So, John Fox, I was really hoping for him. But at this point, it was kind of the best we could get. And so it'd be if interesting. Del Rio
1: and him couldn't agree. John Fox and him would have never agreed. Yeah, exactly. Never.
0: And so. so, actually, what do you think it was that was turning off all these defensive coordinators? I know they only technically offered the job to like two people, but clearly there's some some stuff Zach was doing wrong. Is it safe to say he came into this search unprepared?
1: I think he definitely came in unprepared. I, I mean, he kind of touched on it a little bit, saying that he wanted to give his all to the Rams before moving on to the Bengals. And I understand that. So I, I, I think you have to place more of the blame on the bang, on the Bengals because I think Zach Taylor could have easily said some names that were intriguing to him at first, not having to do any of the homework himself and told the Bengals, like, hey, I'm interested in these guys, and the Bengals go and start the homework for him. I don't think that really happened. I mean, it was pretty obvious they didn't really have anyone in mind, anyone that they have actually thoroughly done homework on until Zach Taylor after the Super Bowl. So I I do think it's safe to say they came in unprepared. i addressing your other question with why so many guys were turned off. I'll address one at a time. Uh, The Ohio State defensive coordinator – I kind of understand that. Uh, I'm not going to hold that against him. He just got a new job at Ohio State. He just moved his family. I get that. I'm not going to hold that against the Bengals. Um, Dom Capers, I think with that, I think that, I think I'm going to blame the Bengals a little bit on that just because I think Dom Capers, he obviously had a rough patch uh, in Green Bay. I think he needed to – I think he realized that he needs to be on a better – or be a part of a better organization to get his name recognition, get his stock on the up, on the up and up. And with the Bengals, I don't think that was really the best opportunity for him. Um, Todd Grantham. I do blame the Bengals on that too. I think they're just being, I think it's possible. They were being cheap. They didn't give him the money he wanted. Uh, So I I would blame him on the Bengals. And then Jack Del Rio. I, I truly, I truly think Zach Taylor and him just didn't see eye to eye. And I think that's why they didn't get anything done. Do you think Taylor's
0: being a little too idealistic maybe? Because at first I thought maybe it was philosophies, but the way he was talking and how it just seems he has this tunnel vision of what he wants to do. Do you think that could have played a part?
1: I don't think it really has to do with anything schematically, although I I don't know. I, I don't think it has to do much with schematics. I think it's more has more to do with his role and how Zach Taylor's going to play into it. I think it sounds like Zach Taylor wants to be able to call some of the shots on the defense, and he's never really done that before. He has no defensive experience. So I think when you try and bring in a guy like Jack Del Rio and say, hey, I want you to come in here, Uh, you're going to be less in charge than you were at your previous defensive coordinator jobs. Um, There you go. That's our offer. And by the way, the guy who you're going to be giving up power to has never coached defense in his life. I think that was part of it. And I also think, I don't know, I I just think, it, like you said, it was a tunnel vision, but not necessarily schematically. I think it was he wanted the power and he didn't want to give it up. All
0: right. That's all fair. And, yeah, that's – it'll be interesting what remote can do. It's important that you brought it up last week. A uh, Kind of a linebacker who can maintain the middle is important. Uh, no, I agree. I kind of disagreed with – you said about White. I'm just going to bring him up because you, because you brought him up last week. I don't think he – I am I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. I don't think White's bad at the middle as my more of White in his scouting as his mental processing has improved so as everywhere else. And I don't think he's good yet, but I don't – the way I see – you are still wouldn't get help from the interior defensive line. I see more of it not being bad, and when you mix that with all the – I'm assuming hybrid defenses. I think a guy like White would be okay in this defense. And honestly, I, there's no draft prospects that I look at who I think can't be in this defense. And that even includes Mac Wilson, who I think is horrible in the
1: middle. I mean, I think you can have any. You can fit. You can find a role for any guy in the defense. It's just a, it's a question of how big of a role can he play, and does the pick does the pick that you're taking that play with justify the. The role they're going to carry. So, I mean, for example, Mac Wilson, let use your example for him. If Mac Wilson is going to be an Emmanuel Lemur type player where he's strictly going to be in coverage, is he worth a first round pick? Yes, he could be great in that role, but is he, is he worth a first round pick if he's only going to be playing in coverage and that's all he can do? With White, I think the question kind of turns over to okay, we have bad defense, we have bad a bad run stuffing defensive line to begin with. Devin White isn't the best up the middle. So if we're not fixing a bunch of holes in our defense with that pick, if we're only fixing the, the outside run issues and we're only fixing the athletic issues at linebacker, is he worth pick 11? Or would we rather fix off the offensive line, fix whatever, fix something else, and then get a guy in round two that will fill either the same or more needs on that defense. So, yeah, that's something we'll probably just have to agree, and, agree to disagree with. But, uh, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I'll let you
0: continue on that. Sorry, I kind of interrupted. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just think it's hard to see what truly we need in our next linebackers without knowing what the defense is. And just from the base defense looks, I think you're probably going to like what I'm about to say. When I look at a linebacker who could really fit this the middle linebacker mm-hmm. in the cover one nine Roberts, Joe Giles Harris, he's a, probably the most reliable Stopping the run, uh, he's not. Uh, there's not a lot to knock on Joe Giles. He can do everything you want, and he kind of talked about with his middle linebacker last week in this defense. He, they don't need to be extremely rangy, and Joe Giles here, he has good range, not great. So just being responsible for the middle could be really good for him.
1: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Especially <laughs> if we're going to be using a lot of cover one robber, if we're going to be running around to safety all over the field in the face. That strong safety can be the first point of your defense. Uh like I said earlier, if you time Landon Collins, that'd be great. But even if we just have John Williams running around the defense, you're putting you're putting less in the backfield and you're putting more up front, which means there's less issues against the run and there's there's gonna be more we're gonna be more susceptible to deep passes, but we have base back there anyway, he has great range and a great for safety. So if you're putting more guys towards the line of scrims, I think it eliminates the need for a guy like White who has a lot of range. a lot of range.
0: I wouldn't say necessarily gets rid the need, but it, it's it, less important.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I didn't mean to eliminate the need, but I think you can afford if you're gonna have a, a if you're gonna have more people towards the line of scrimmage. I think you can afford to go from a ten out of ten range to an eight out of ten range.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. You don't need. Ugh, sorry, you don't need to be as desperate for that all around linebacker. You have a little more room to work with.
1: Exactly. So. Uh, I guess we can just, this would be a good transition to get into the combine and talk about some players that we will be watching uh, during the testing. Uh, I'll let you start off with a few guys. All
0: right. Somebody who I'm going to be looking close and I've talked about quite a bit is Jermaine Pratt, my as of now linebacker, too. Uh, We already know he's really athletic, but I'm going to look at all the changes in his direction because his hips are really frustrating. I think he can do a fine job opening them up initially, but his change of direction is not very good. So I'm curious to see how he does in that area.
1: Yeah. Staying on the linebackers, uh, there's three linebackers I'm going to be looking at specifically. Obviously Devin White, nothing that I'm concerned with on him. I just want to see him test out of the water. Uh, But the two guys I'm going to be looking at is Joe Giles Harris and Kendall Joseph. Joe Giles-Harris, I'm going to be looking at his 40 time and his ability scores. And, I mean, overall, just how well his explosiveness is. Uh, a lot of people see him as a conservative linebacker who doesn't really, isn't that explosive, can't change direction very well, and isn't that fast. I disagree. I mean, he's he's a rangy guy. He just doesn't have that elite athleticism. So I think if he can test very well, if he can, I think if he can run, like, four, flat and put up a decent time to three tone and have... Above average scores in his jump, I, I think he can, his stock will rise a lot, and I think he's gonna become, become more consensus in the first round. Which, I mean, for the Bengals, it's not a good thing, but as a Joe Valterra lover, I would love to see his stock go that high and see him drafted in the first round. Um, another linebacker I'm gonna be looking at is Kendall Joseph, and he's a guy that I think he's gonna be competing with, white to be the most athletic con- or linebacker at the combine. Um, his size does worry me, and most people, but I think if he can, if he can get that hype behind the combine that that follows so many people that test well, I think he can turn into a top fifty pick. I already see him as a top fifty pick, but I mean, general consensus has him in like the third or fourth round. So I think he's another guy that can really see his stock rise from the combine.
0: For sure, and going back on Joe Gallus Harrison, he's somebody w- I know we already talked about a lot. We're going to talk a lot more in the future just because he's a realistic. Bengals draft choice, and if he can have a great combine, that I know we were texting about it yesterday, he might, he, uh, he might meet with the round one, but you think he could possibly pass up, at least for you personally, Devin White as linebacker one?
1: I think if, if Joe Giles Harris can, I don't know if you guys are familiar with RAS, it's, like, it's a, an athletic metric deri- drive by Penland Flat on Twitter. We'll give him a little shout out. He's a great guy. Uh, I mean, RAS is what it does is it incorporates testing their athletic testing into their size and speed. They're not size and speed. Sorry. It incorporates their athletic testing, like all their combine drills into their size, so like height and weight. And it gives you a number out of 10 over how athletic they are. So 10.0 is the best. 1.0 is the worst or actually zero is the worst. Sorry. But if Devin White, I expect him to have a close to a 10 RAS. uh, if Joe Giles Harris can make it to an eight or an eight-five. I think I I think I'm gonna have to have him time with Devin White for linebacker one.
0: Yeah, and just I'm, I'm kind of assuming here, but if Joe Giles Harris had the, the already known athleticism that Devin White has, I think I truly think people would be talking him as linebacker one.
1: If Joe Giles Harris had the athleticism Devin White had, I'd have him as my top three, a top three player. Oh, no shit. doubt. In mind. <laughs> oh, shit. No doubt. In mind. A little high right. for
0: me, but I can see it.
1: If he, if he was in Devin White's body, top three player, he would, he would be getting the Roquan hype oh. from me. Uh, but, yeah.
0: yeah. But uh-huh. unlike Roquan, he can get off blocks.
1: Yes, unlike,
0: well. I don't know. That was my only knock on Roquan going off track for a second.
1: I, uh, with Roquan, I, I think he was a lot more well-rounded than any linebacker. Okay. He was well-rounded <laughs> for sure. I I think his I think he was able to get off blocks. He just wasn't able his he wasn't able to overcome his size just yet. And I think he he did a little bit better than that towards the end of his college career. But he
0: always allowed his chest to
1: be open up to offensive linemen. And yeah, he did. I think offensive line, linemen gave him the most trouble. But if it was a tight end or if it was a running back, I think I think he fared pretty well. Um, but yeah, he was also another athletic dude. I, I loved him coming out. He was a top two player for me. He was my third overall player. Love that Ooh. dude. Uh, but another um, back on the combine, uh, I guess just go by. I'm gonna talk about some offensive tackles next. Uh, Yadni Kadzuki, he's a guy that I have very high. I'm probably the highest on him out of. I mean, so far everyone everyone I've seen is not as high on him as I am. I have him as a top twelve, top fifteen player. Um, he's a guy who I expect to have extremely well. I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be OT three, OT two, or OT three in terms of athletic testing. Um, but he's definitely being underrated right now. And although the athletic testing will be important to him, I don't think that's the most important part of the combine for him. Uh, he does have an injury history, especially with his knees, but also with his, I believe, foot and back. So the medicals are going to be very important, to him, along with guys like uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Rodney Anderson, Deontay Thompson, and Hollywood Brown. Uh, I'm going to talk about Hollywood Brown a little bit more just because. I don't he's not really realistic for us, but he has a list strength fracture, which is very detrimental to wide receivers, especially ones that rely on their speed. So medical is gonna be extremely important for him. To be, a list strength fracture is probably worth a important ACL, if we're being honest. Um, so that's gonna be extremely important for him. Deontay Thompson, uh, the best safety prospect by, almost consensus top safety prospect, I guess. Uh, I believe he had wrist surgery earlier in the month, or maybe last month, so if he will not be uh, performing testing at the combine, that probably is going to hurt his stock a lot because a lot of people have speed questions on him, so his 40 time is going to be very important, but uh, he's going to have to wait to his, for, for his pro day for that. And uh, Rodney Anderson, obviously, probably the most injury for him to back to United College in a while. When healthy, though, he's probably the best running back in college football. And Jeffrey Simmons obviously you all heard about him for his ACL and uh, in, was it warm ups or was it a practice? Uh I think it was during a workout. During a workout, okay. So yeah, um I'll let you continue a little bit more on some guys that you're gonna be looking at. Yeah,
0: go on. Going to talk about could you say just for a second, if you guys Don't remember Paul Alexander. He was our offensive line coach. He (laughs) thought Cedric O'Boy was the next Joe Thomas and shit. Uh, He's very low on Kajuste and very high on Greg Little. And If you guys remember, we're quite the opposite. I'm not as high on Kajuste as Jay is, but I'm still pretty high on him, and I really don't like Little. So the fact that Paul Alexander doesn't like Kajuste probably means Kajuste is going to be a
1: Hall of Famer
0: within his rookie
1: year. (laughs) Just kidding. I I like Greg Little. I'm not gonna hate on Greg Little. I think he's a solid prospect. Uh, he obviously has his woes versus the run. I see him as a late second round pick. He's obviously gonna be overdrafted because of athletic ability. And when I when I say that he's gonna be overdrafted because of athletic ability, I'm not trying to group him with Colton Miller. Colton Miller was I mean he was a day three guy. Greg Little is definitely not a day three guy. He's a very good offensive tackle. I think he's gonna have some success in the league. But at the same time. He is going to be overdrafted a little bit. I expect him to go top one. He really is a top sixty player. So, but don't let don't let that confuse you guys. I'm still a, a fan of Greg Little, just not as, much as many. Yeah. Well, uh, we say not Paul as.
0: Alex- go ahead. I was going to say when we mean not as high, we don't think
1: bus or anything. Just
0: not. We're not on
1: the first round hype. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, with the Paul Alexander drama, not drama really, but I, I'm not really taking his word that heavily I'm not gonna I mean yes he was an offensive line coach for 20 20 plus years um but he has a lot of misses he overvalues strength which for me I think it makes me think he doesn't really know that much about Yadnick just because Yadnick is a strong player I expect him to be one of the better guys on the bench best uh now his length is gonna hurt him a little bit he has a very long arm but I, I think he's a very strong player. Uh, obviously, we all know the main reason he like Russell Bodine is because his bench press. But, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'm not taking Paul Alexander's work for that much. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Where, you know, did,
0: where did this whole mental toughness is a problem for your juice state come up? Because I've never seen that as a problem. But next thing you know, everybody's talking about how bad it is. and I guess I've never seen an issue with it.
1: Tra- I draft orders he- I know what I can understand what people are talking about. I just don't think mental toughness is the right way to describe it. Uh I, I think that that he does have some like mental lapses occasionally, but I don't see it like I mean it's so it, it's not really that common of an issue. It's not that it doesn't occur that often. I think mental toughness is one of those things that unless a guy is like flipping his crap on the field, if he's like giving up on plays, if he's whatever, if, he, if he's showing lack of effort or if he's – I don't know. I don't think, like, mental lapses are the same thing as tough. I think I, – I just don't see them as yeah. Um If we're talking about, like, um, mental toughness, I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe that. How would you even describe that other than – I mean, he doesn't try. He doesn't have a good attitude. I, mean, I don't know.
0: He just I seems like one me. of those players that draft Twitter is going to hate. There's always a yeah. couple of those.
1: Yeah, there's – I don't think people hate him necessarily. I just think he, he's not hyped up as yeah. much as he should be. Uh, Bengals
0: Bangle, Twitter hates him mostly because of Joe Goodberry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everyone, all the Goodberry followers. Uh, I'm not hating on any Goodberry followers. I'm not hating on Goodberry because I know a lot of you guys listening probably like Joe Goodberry and he's a great guy. I I, I think – I just don't like the whole – I think you need to watch him for yourself, too. Yeah, and for sure. I, he's one of those players that you can't really take other people's word for. And I, I don't expect you guys to take my word for him. I, I like him a lot. I, I encourage you guys to go out and watch him on your own and critique my opinion or have a different opinion. I mean, I'm not I'm not here to create a fault. I I mean, Mark Jarvis, if you want to watch him, go search Mark Jarvis on Twitter. Uh, he has a database of all the film. Great guy. Players, great guy from Cincinnati. Well, close to Cincinnati. I mean, if you want to watch a player, go onto his Twitter, click on the uh, spreadsheet, and watch him for yourself. Judge our opinion. We don't care. We like it. This this helps everyone. I mean, I think that's the guy that everyone should go watch because a lot of it is going to be hype with him. And I think you should have your own opinion on that before you make a decision on a guy like that. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, well, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I've kind of seen mocked with him all over the place. But we we've gotten really off track. I'm to I'm gonna be I'm not looking at any specific running backs for the combine,
1: but I'm gonna be just looking at one. Who are you watching? Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson. Yep. He's a he's a five eight little running back. Uh, a friend of mine, I believe it was Nick Farball, uh, out of Steel Curtain. He's a Steelers guy, but I mean, he's a good guy. Don't hate him, on him. Don't hate on him for that. But uh. I mean, he had some good dialogue with Darwin Thompson. Apparently, Darwin expects a test off the charge. I believe he, he thinks he's going to run a sub 4 four forty. Uh, his bench press, something crazy. I want to say it was an upper 20, something that was completely nuts for a running back. Uh, I expect him to test very well. I, could, I think we could see his stock soar. Another running back that I kind of mentioned already, Rodney Anderson, just because of medicals. But other than that, yeah, the running back class is not nothing really special.
0: I'm I'm looking out for those late day three guys just because of the possibility of Walton getting cut, and if he does get cut, the Bengals may try and find a steal. And with today's day and age of the NFL, it's not really hard. I wouldn't say it's not that hard, but it's not as difficult anymore to find a valuable running back who can play in later rounds. Yeah, Darwin
1: Thompson would be a guy I'm looking out there. He's a top five running back. I think he's. I think I believe he's a small school guy. Uh, I forget what exactly what exact school he goes to. I think it was like San Diego State, maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, but he's a smaller school guy. He's going. He's going to be going later, and I think he's a guy that I would definitely target in around five to seven. Um, another another guy that I think would be a little more realistic for us. Just we're not realistic, but not desirable. Um, Amani O O. Oh, crap, Penn State guy. Authority. I can't say his name. He's a great player, and I'm not hating on him at all. I just don't think we can afford to take a cornerback this early unless we address a major need in free agency. Uh, him and DeAndre Baker, I guess, both of them um, have some speed concerns. We're going to—they're going to be looking at their 40 time for, for those guys, and I mean, their 40 time could could mean the difference between pick 50 or pick 15. I mean, those guys have some serious talent, but the speed concerns are going to worry a lot of people. Um, those are another another players that we kind of see all over the place. I mean, some people have them top 15. I certainly have them fairly high, top 20, I believe, top 25. I had, and some people have them going late, like second, late second round or early third. So
0: I don't have the official big board yet, but I know Baker's going to be right around the 20 spot. Uh, Penn State guy, I'm just going to call him that. I imagine being right around 35-ish. And, and I know – Penn State guy got hurt in the Senior Bowl, so it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back, what he can show, and somebody else who I'm going to go back on the offensive line for a second that I'm kind of interested in is David Edwards, the Wisconsin offensive tackle. He seems to be kind of be a forgotten man among offensive tackles, just based kind of off. what's that? Kind of boring. Yeah, he's a boring guy, but a guy who can get the job done. He's probably not going to test all that well, but he's... But he's a guy who might be a route, late round two, early round three
1: guy. I could be a steal for a team. I'll kind I, would, of... I wouldn't touch him until mid to late round three. Really? He's my, he's my offensive tackle seven, I believe. I have uh, Jonah, Cody Ford, Kajusti, Jawan Taylor, Andre Dillard, and Dalton Risner over him. Him and Greg Little are close. For OT 7 and I mean,
0: all those guys I have first-round grades on or early second.
1: Yeah, but I mean, realistically, I don't think any. I mean, we. I think we're gonna see four offensive tackles go round one. I think we see probably th- three go round two. And I think I would take Edwards mid round three. I don't think he's. I mean, I would. I would. I wouldn't pick early round three. I. I just think he's the value on him is more in mid round three. But obviously, being a premier position and being a being an offensive tackle, how necessary those guys are, he's gonna be overdraft a little bit. Probably early round three or late round two is probably a good spot, I guess, for him. So, I'll take that back a little bit. I mean, if you need an offensive tackle, I think you have to spend a little bit more on them. And
0: those are who I'm mainly watching. Do you have anybody else you're going to be watching closely? I've
1: got about nine more guys I have listed. So, I'll kind of do overviews on that. Cody Ford, offensive tackle. No, No issues with him that I'm really concerned about. I just want to see him light it up. Probably the best athletic – the most athletic offensive tackle in the class, even over Greg Little. Um, he's a guy I'm going to be itching to watch just because he's going off the, off the charts. Uh, Kyler Murray, I'm going to be looking at his 40 times, his weigh-in and his height and his hand size. Um, those are the four things I kind of want to see him just because he has those size issues. He has that height issue. I mean, a lot of people are worried about him at the next level. So that's a guy that I think we should be looking at. Brian Burns, uh he's my second ranked um defensive end right now. Well, I guess edge rusher right now. Uh his issue is size. I think he played at two thirty five last season, which is extremely light for an edge rusher. So I'm gonna be looking at him to trying to hit that two fifty mark just to see if he can if he's gonna have the bulk to play edge of the next level. Um another guy, Daniel Jones. I'm gonna be looking at his velocity, I'm gonna see how fast he can throw the ball. Um that's my main issue with him. He, I expect him to probably not even hit 55 miles an hour. Probably closer to 50 than 55. Um, Brett Ripien, another guy I'm looking at. I uh, know I'm. I stand to him a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, I'm gonna be looking at his his arm or his arm velocity as well. I think he's gonna test better than Daniel Jones. I think that's gonna start to rise his hype a little bit more because um, he's I. I, I to me he's obviously a better prospect than Daniel Jones, but uh, we'll see about that. Um, and two other guys I'm looking at: Dawson Knox. I just I want to see him test well, just to see if his hype can or if his stock can rise anymore. Uh, just overall for him. And my last guy is Kendall Sheffield out of Ohio State. I know a lot of you guys are Ohio State fans, so I'm looking at him just to see his 40 time. I think prospect-wise, he's close to a fifth or sixth rounder, but if he can break that, not break the record, but if he can run high 4-2s, low 4-3s like everyone expects him to, I think he can get drafted in the third or fourth round just purely off of that.
0: Sounds good. And Next week episode, guys, we'll discuss the combine results. We'll, we'll be all over that. We'll start talking about free agent targets, what we think they should do in free agency. We'll, we'll probably discuss the land in a lot of... Le- when, maybe not a lot, but we'll probably discuss Landon Collins. If it makes sense for him to come here and we'll have a good show for next week, guys. Uh, I'm sorry if I sound a little weird, as I said earlier, this episode just got my wisdom teeth removed. I'm still all sore and stuff. Still making the full recovery, but we'll still here.
1: But, uh, yeah. we'll yeah, have, Like you said, combine free agents, uh, we're going to have it all next week, guys. And hopefully after next week, we're going to be diving more into draft prospects, hopefully picking it up a little bit. Uh, because we're, we're getting to that time, guys. I mean, April 20, 28th, I believe, is just around the corner. We're almost into March. So, it's exciting time for Huda Nation. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Huda.
0: Huda.